But courageously today, we choose to look to you and learn from you. So do your work, mighty God, in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's the favourite verse. If you don't know this verse, or maybe you're new to church, maybe you're just tuning in online and haven't really come across this verse, um, I'm going to share it with you and I think you'll know straight away why this verse is such a favourite. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is one of those kind of verses we like to stick up on our wall, wake up in the morning, remind ourselves that God is with us. His plans are for us and his purpose is for us. And it's a fabulous verse and it does really stand alone as a great promise to us. And I know some of us in small groups have been thinking a little bit about this verse over the last few weeks. It's a fabulous promise of God. But it is a verse that is found, interestingly enough, in the middle of a passage, as verses often are, and it has a context and a story. And so today as we look at this passage, we're actually going to pick it up in the midst of its story because its story speaks to our story. It gives us an opportunity to step back, to have a wider look at God's story for us and to learn something about it. So here is the context of this passage. Israel, God's people, God's beloved children are in exile in a place called Babylon. They've been carried off and they've been carried off because they have been disobedient to God for hundreds of years. And year after year, God sent his prophets to warn them to change their ways, to turn their hearts back to him and to follow his calling to live in his covenant. But all these years, Israel has stubbornly refused. And so God's promise in Deuteronomy around his covenant that if they disobey God, that he will allow them to be taken into exile has come to pass. It's not a happy time for Israel. It's not a positive time. It's not a time where they say, yes, I'm a child of God. It's a time where they say, where is God? Things are hard. I can't believe I'm in exile. I can't believe everything I loved. Everything I enjoyed, everything I lived for has been taken away from me. And there was sorrow and mourning and weeping by the rivers of Babylon. And into this space, two prophets speak. The first prophets are the false prophets. And the false prophets say this, don't worry, we'll be long. Before you know it, we'll be back in our promised land. Everything's going to work out okay. So you know what? Just have a little bit of time with a whole pass. doesn't really matter what you do in this time because it's just a little blip. So you can use this time however you want. You don't need to be in deep relationships. You can do whatever you want. You know, you don't have to um, contribute to the city. Just, just cruise. Take what you can get. Won't be long. Wait, sit on the couch. God will take you back to your land. And if you know the concept of a hall pass, it's kind of one of those get out of jail free, you can do anything naughty you like and nobody's really going to care. And that's kind of what these prophets were arguing. They weren't God's prophets. They weren't speaking God's words. And they were really just trying to make people comfortable. And I've heard prophets like that. In fact, 
I might have even been a prophet like that. Just wait, it'll all be okay, just be at peace. And you know, there is a time for waiting and being at peace. But that's not why Israel were in exile. God didn't take them into exile to rescue them immediately and show them that he would just take care of them. He took them to exile because he had a purpose and a plan to teach them something more, something about life, something about abundant life. Yes, life can be found in exile. Well, we're in exile, kind of, aren't we? It's a funny old season. We're living in this time where we're between this and that, the past and the future, and we're kind of taking one day at a time because we don't really know what's going to happen next. And so every single day we kind of take another step along the way and cruise a bit and just wait to see what our governments, federal and state, are telling us we can do and not do. But I want to say this morning that when Jeremiah the second prophet, wrote to Judah. He wasn't even in exile. He'd been left behind. He wasn't even considered a voice that really mattered. But he wrote a letter to Israel in Babylon and he spoke the words that Drew read to us. Hey, settle down. Build houses. Plant gardens. Get married. Marry your children. Settle into the land. Pray for the prosperity of the city. Jeremiah realized and recognized and passed on God's word that God had a purpose for exile. And my hunch is that God has a purpose for us in exile too. We don't want to miss this. We don't want to scooch through the exile period watching Netflix and passing the time. We actually want to live every day, even the exile days, on purpose, just as God wants us to. So what did God say through Jeremiah that he wanted us to do? What can we learn? What can we take with us in our exile and put into practice in the same way? God did two very serious works for Israel. You see, they were taken into exile for 70 years. That's right, seven zero, 70 years. And God promised from the beginning it would be that long and he brought them back exactly at that length of time. And we'll come to that story a little while down there, a few weeks away. But God took them intentionally into exile and he took them really for a lifetime span. In the Old Testament, we hear the reference, you will live for three score years and 10, that's 20, 40, 60, plus 10, 70 years. That's a lifetime in Israel's kind of idea. And so God took Israel into Babylon for a generation because he wanted to teach them a new way of thinking. And the new way was around who they were. They'd have forgotten. And we've talked a little bit about this, but Israel had forgotten who they were and they had forgotten who God was. And so he, when he took them into exile, what he did was he taught them and retaught them these things. So the first was this um, introduction to the search of knowing who they were, who was their identity. And in many ways, Jeremiah used the great um, ideas from Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where God says to Adam and Eve, here's the garden, be fruitful, steward the earth, multiply. This kind of idea of live well, live in my abundance, steward and work and enjoy 
the life that I have given you. And in many ways, Jeremiah recommissioned Israel to do the same. So I've got three thoughts around their identity that, that Jeremiah really wanted them to pick up while they were in exile. The first was contribute. So Jeremiah says, build houses, plant gardens. He's identifying that in our humanity, we're actually created to live in moments. It's time to unpack, he says to Israel. It's time to settle into the neighbourhood. It's time to say, if this is my home, I'm going to participate in this neighbourhood. I'm going to live in this exile to the best of my ability. And so he really um, encourages and stirs Israel not just to wait out the exile, but to plant deep roots in their local neighbourhood. Historians would say that this was Israel's most creative time. It was one of the best times of flourishing, where Israel began uh, afresh to write songs, to um, read scripture, and not just read scripture, but write commentaries on it to get, gain an understanding of who they were and, and to really explore the way that God had made them, rather than being caught up with all the frou-frou and rah-rah and hoo-ha of life, you know, those words that mean all the stuff of life, that had all been stripped away. And so as a result, they're really able to pursue the who God had created them to be. Not only were they creative, but they were living into their vocation. You see, God has called each one of us to different things in life. We learn that as we see the body in many parts in scripture and we see how in the church we all have different things to do. But not just in the church, on the earth. God has um, shaped us in all different ways so that we might participate in his kingdom on earth. So some people are great musicians. This is not me. I wish it was. But God has crafted some people for this task. It's part of their life call or their vocational shape. Some are craftsmen, builders, creators, makers, artists. What about the technological builders? Those who understand things in IT that I don't even understand the words they're using. There's such a broad range of the who we are. And sometimes we miss the who we are because we're so busy chasing the things our world says we need. And that was definitely the case for Israel. So God said, find your vocation, discover afresh yourself and live into that space. Don't just wait it out. Don't just waste time. Don't just binge watch tally, but live. Don't just drink wine. Don't just overeat. Don't just sleep all day. Live. Get up and be useful contributors into the life, even in exile. Con um, first one, contribute. Second one, connect. So then Jeremiah says, marry. Have your children have marry. Have children. Settle into the land. Build relationships. Connect. God wanted Israel not to live in exile in isolation, but to build deep relationships. So I've used this word connect. We use this in our statement, love, connect, grow. This idea of having deep and strong relationships both with one another and with Christ. We want to connect the crowd and the core to Christ. And so this idea of connect is something that Jeremiah was really commissioning a fresh Israel, get into community, live in community, love one another. Now that's not easy in exile. And I don't know about you, but I find 
relationships a little bit difficult in exile. It's tricky. I live with the same four people and they live with me. And we bump into each other all the time. Maybe it's the same for you. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you've got a very peaceful household. But I've observed on our TV that um, advertising around domestic violence has increased because people are living under pressure together and people are banging into each other. Jeremiah says, build deep relationships. And this is the stuff that Jesus talks about. This is the stuff he calls us to, a life of humility, a life of sacrifice, a life of surrender, of loving the other at your own expense, patience, kindness, gentleness, truth. These words are not easy words, but this is the work God is wanting to do in exile, to build strong and deep relationships, contribute, connect, intercede. So then God says through Jeremiah, pray for your city, pray for your neighbourhood, pray for your captors, your enemies, pray for your city to prosper. There's this instruction that God wants not just for us to do good things and to love one another, but to extend ourselves by trusting God to be at work in the broader community. This is the mission of the people of God. We are instructed regularly to pray. Pray for our enemies. Pray for our leaders. Pray for one another. Pray for our children or our partners or our marriage. Pray for our parents, grandparents neighbours. Pray for those we don't know but we see on the news. Those that are struggling in our global neighbourhood. These are the invitation God says as we learn to know who we are, our identity. These are the things that we do that help to form that. The second thing that God wanted to do with Israel in exile that he wants to do with us in exile is to help us not just know ourselves but to know him better. God wants us to know him. And that isn't going to happen unless something happens within us. You know, the temptation is for us to really just live our life. When, when things are going well, when we've got everything we need, when we're caught up in all of the business of busyness and life, the pursuit, culture, consumerism, all the stuff, somehow... Along the way, God gets forgotten. And in the West, there's no doubt that people have forgotten how much God loves them. And they've been sold a counterfeit that the stuff of this world will meet their needs. But in exile, the truth that only God can truly meet their needs is what is revealed. And I believe God wants not just us to know him, but our world to know him. And through this difficult time, God is revealing himself and calling people back to himself. So what is his message and what do we need to do? So first, believe. God's message is this. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plan to give you hope and a future. Do you need to hear that today? Do you need to hear that the God of heaven's armies is working to prosper you? That heaven is open to you? That the heart of God is for you? 
not to harm you, but to bring you hope and a future. This is God's truth. This is God. A lot of people want to say a lot of things about who God is. A lot of people want to measure God on the people of God and how they behave. And boy, have we fallen short. This is who God is. Simply put, God is for us. The work that we need to do is to believe him. We want to get to know God, we've got to start to believe the things that he says about himself. So if he says, I'm for you, we've got to trust him. We've got to trust that that promise is true and that it stands firm. And if today you're watching and you're not sure, if today you're wondering, well, where has God been all this time? I want you to be assured that God is for you, has always been for you, and is working towards your prosperity, to your future, to your hope, to your restoration, to your new life. You've got to believe it. Step up. Say a little prayer. God, I believe it. Help me to believe it a bit better. You know, I have to pray that prayer sometimes too. Sometimes I feel like it's all on me to make stuff happen. That my future's hanging on the decisions that I make. That if I make the wrong move, maybe things will go wrong. But scripture invites us to believe God's promises and to stand firm in them. The second thing scripture tells us to do is not just believe, but to go after God. To press in, to pursue God, to chase after him with all we have. Now, this is a challenge for an apathetic country. You know, we don't run for a lot of things, maybe for prize money or honour, maybe to get an ice cream at the front of the line. We don't really push ourselves, maybe for success, maybe so that somebody might say, you're amazing. But in our culture, we don't push ourselves. We have so much given to us that we quite often don't go out of our way for something that really matters. But God says... Seek me and you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. It's not that God holds him back because he doesn't himself back because he doesn't want to be with us, but he wants us to actively pursue a relationship with him. His heaven is open to us, but he will not force himself upon us. So if we want to know God, and we've got to get off our couch and onto our knees. We've got to get out of our routines and try something new. We've got to make an effort that is not just a mindset, but actually a shift of heart. Seek me with all your heart, is what God says. He's calling for the deep relationship, the true desire to know him. Believe, chase after and expect the breakthrough. This is the promise of God. That when we walk with God, his promises will come to pass. He is reliable. We sang this morning, great is thy faithfulness. It's a great old hymn. God is faithful to his word. His promises are true. He will come through. He is not slack concerning his promises, says the scripture. 
He is ready with a breakthrough. And the day will come if you go after God and if you go after God even with the deepest concerns, the desperation, the pain and sorrow, the fear and worry, that God will bring a breakthrough. You can count on God for this. This is what Israel needed to learn. This is what they needed to learn in exile. They had forgotten that God's heart was for them. They had forgotten that they would know God only if they chased after him. They had forgotten that God was good for his word and that he would do exactly what he promised at just the right time. And he did. The day came just as Jeremiah said it would, 70 years later, but God gathered his people out of Babylon and brought them back to Israel. It seems ridiculous, impossible even, that a king would release his captives to their nation. Not even a godly king, King Cyrus, not even a man after God's heart, but he did because God is not slack concerning his promises. He is able to bring a breakthrough. I don't know what breakthrough you need. I don't know what breakthrough you hope for, but maybe are terrified to pray for. I don't know what breakthrough you long to see, but are yet to see it come. But I want to say to you this morning, exile is the best place to see that breakthrough come to pass. Because in exile as we begin to really know God, as we begin to believe him with all of our heart, as we begin to press into him and chase after him, then God brings about his breakthrough. So, how are you going in your exile? I mean, it's not fun. Nobody likes an exile. It's not the best place to be. But my goodness, How exciting, how wonderful to know that God is both forming us to know ourselves, contribution, connection and intercession. That's how we get to know ourselves and then believing, chasing after and trusting for the breakthrough. That's how we get to know God. I'm excited about what God will do through this exile within us, the people he loves, what he will form within us. I want to encourage you, don't sit back. Don't wait out the exile on the couch with the Netflix and the ice cream. Don't miss another day of what God is doing in this season of exile because life, abundant life, is found even in exile. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that exile is no match for you. In fact, you use it for your purposes to form us, to reform us, to transform us. You help us to know the very best of who you crafted us to be and you call us to know you at the deep and painful parts of our life and to discover that heaven is open for us. God, we look to you for breakthrough. We look to you for wisdom around how we might contribute better how we might connect better, how we might love our neighbourhood and pray more intentionally for it. Father, we want to be a people that don't miss your work in exile.
So we offer ourselves to you. We offer our fears to you. We offer our sorrows to you. We offer our failures to you. And we invite you, God, to do your most mighty work in us. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious unto you. In your going out, just five reasons to go out. In your coming in, in your labour, your leisure, your laughter and your tears. And may you know that the Lord has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Just be courageous enough to believe it. Amen. Go in peace, my friends. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to catching up with you again next week. God bless you and we'll see you later.